Thank you for joining us on Waterberg Stereo from Fernandafi Beagle News. This is the name of the program sponsored by the Wet and the Voice Brokers here in Rustenburg. Firstly, I will talk to Tandekan Panza regarding the dismissal of an employee who failed to follow the relevant COVID-19 regulations. A lot of uh, court cases these days dealing with uh, COVID-19 issues. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, please stay tuned and listen to what the outcome of that case was. Was it uh, lawful to dismiss that employee for uh, such failure? She will uh, explain to us what happened in that interesting case. And then I've also asked uh, Emery Richter a couple of questions, uh, right of access between grandparents and grandchildren, maintenance obligations between grandparents and grandchildren, and then also what happens if someone passes away whilst divorce proceedings are still pending. Please send us your questions and comments to info at vvd for vanfeldenduffy.co.za. My name is Falke Kruger. I'm joined by Tandeka and Panza to discuss a labor law-related matter. And I think it's another interesting uh, case that demonstrates how our law has to adjust to changing times, specifically uh, COVID-19 uh, circumstances and regulations, etc. So in this case, the court had to decide whether the dismissal of an employee was lawful, where that employee failed to follow the COVID-19 regulations um, Sit down. Is that more or less what this case was about, Tandika? Well, good day, Falcon. Good day to the listeners at home. That is indeed more or less what the case was about. So, just to give a brief background to this case, uh, Mr. Mkhosi was um, he was employed as an assistant butchery manager uh, by the employer here. So Mr. Mkhoti, he used to essentially travel to and from work of a colleague and soon thereafter the colleague felt unwell and consulted with his doctor. He was booked off from work and subsequently admitted to hospital. On or about the 20th of July 2020, he was informed that he had tested positive for COVID-19. And at around the same time, Mr. Mokhoti started experiencing chest pains, headaches and cough, which are primarily the symptoms of COVID-19. He thereafter consulted a traditional healer who booked him off sick and the traditional healer happened to be his wife. Now, despite his employer advising him to stay at home, Mr. Mokhoti insisted on reporting to work and he continued to come to work even after he became aware of the fact that the colleague that he traveled with earlier had tested positive for COVID-19. Now, on the 5th of August, Mr. Mokhosi decided to take a COVID-19 test. He, however, did not inform his employer and continued going to work. He was informed on the 9th of August that he had tested uh, positive and still notwithstanding the results, Mr. Mokhosi still went to work on the 9th and the 10th of August. While at work, he further disregarded the employer's social distancing protocols and did not even wear a mask. And to make matters worse, on the day after he had received his results, Mr. Mokhosi was seen hugging a fellow employee who happened to have a heart operation five years earlier and had recently experienced post-surgery complications. And when he personally handed the results of the COVID-19 test to his employer, he was then sent home to self-isolate. Now, it goes further to say that his employer advising him to stay at home, Mr. Mokhosi reported to work after the 10th of July. He continued to come to work even after he became aware of the fact that his employer tested positive and that he himself had tested positive. And um, Mr. Mokhosi, and, and he thereafter took the COVID test and so on. And and um, like we had previously said that uh, his employer then went on to certain, let him self-isolate 
and um, then the employer subsequently dismissed Mr. Mohosi for 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 for, the, for his actions thereafter, and then Mr. Mohosi brought an application. He brought the matter to the CCMA, and that's where the CCMA decided accordingly. All right. So clear disregard of all relevant uh, regulations related to COVID-19. Uh, so what was the outcome of the case? Well, at the CCMA, uh, while the commissioner also frowned upon the actions of Mr. Mukhosi, uh, he, he essentially said that his, his careful attitude was something that could not be reconciled with. However, the CCMA felt that the sanction of, of, of dismissal was too harsh and felt that in light of the circumstances, um, the, prim, the, the commissioner primarily focused on the employer's disciplinary code, which would have put a, would, would categorized such actions as uh, um, warranting a final written warning and not dismissal. However, um, the, the, the employer was not happy with, with this decision and they took the matter on review to the Labour Court. Now, at the Labour Court, um, again, the court also reiterated that Mr. Mukhoti's actions were was incomprehensible. And the consequences of his conduct were not only dire to the employer, but equally to his colleagues, the family and the community at large. And the court was further shocked that Mr. Mukhoti, despite clearly foreseeing the harm that his actions could have caused, he rather than showing remorse, he played the victim card. The court found that Mr. Mukhotsi was not only grossly negligent and reckless, but he was also dishonest in failing to disclose his health status over a period of time and completely disregarded all work, workplace health and safety protocols. And it was in light of this that, that an order was made that uh, the, the award given by the CCMA is set aside and an order was substituted with saying that Mr. Mukhotsi's uh, dismissal was substantively fair. All right, so your um, COVID-19 um, status, etc., is not a private matter, I suppose. No? It's something that your employer is entitled to know of and the employer is entitled to expect you to follow the regulations. And if you don't, then it is a potential reason for your dismissal. Indeed, so yeah, I would increase. I would agree, and not only that, you know, also just observing the, the 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 health and safety protocols that are put in place. You know, something as we take for granted, wearing masks and so on. Those is also something that could also constitute to a gross misconduct in in light of the case law that we've just discussed. Right. So I guess that's the lesson no? for employers and employees. For employers, they can enforce the regulations to ensure the safety of their employees and uh, clients and the employees must adhere to those uh, prescriptions. Indeed so and also just how, how we saw the court deviating from the employer's uh, disciplinary code it's not cast in stone um, given the the, 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 the the move or the changes in, in that society is facing today the court can deviate from employer's disciplinary code if it is indeed in the interest in the health and safety interests of the employers and the community at large. Especially, I would think, because there was also an element of dishonesty, no? as the court concluded. So that obviously is always a serious uh, transgression for any employee. Um, it's a basic uh, principle of any contract of service that there must be honesty between the employer and the employee. So if the employee, whatever uh, transgression might be relevant, if it's an element of dishonesty, that's it's a serious, serious breach. Indeed, so that is correct, Foka. That is correct. Right. Thank you, Tandika. My name is Falke Kruger from Van Fair and Duffy Attorneys. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, and uh, thank you, Elmarie Richter, uh, for joining us as well. Thank you for inviting me, Falke. A couple of uh, questions, again, related to uh, family law, as uh, most of our listeners will know by now. Elmarie is uh, our expert in that field. Uh, first one, Elmarie, do grandparents have the right of access to their grandchildren? We, I guess, all know that parents have the right of access to their 
children, but what about grandparents? Yes, so grandparents do have rights to see their grandchildren and um, their rights vests in the interest that they have in the children's lives. So the Children's Act make provision for interested parties to obtain certain parental rights and responsibilities in respect of the children. For example, in this circumstances that we are discussing, the grandparents will approach the court and ask to have contact rights. Um, to their grandchildren. And I have a lot of matters where we deal with situations like this, and it often happens where one of the parents passes away and that grandparents are now um, no longer seeing the children as or the grandkids as often as they would like to. So then they can approach the court or they can do it on a friendly basis as well, reach an agreement between the parents or like I said, go to court in order to obtain certain rights and responsibilities in respect of these children. I guess the first step would always be to try to do it on an amicable basis and uh, approach the relevant parents to cooperate. But if they refuse to do so, what you're saying is that a grandparent can even go to court to enforce that right of uh, uh, access to their grandchildren. Yes, most definitely. And I always encourage my clients as well to let's first try to negotiate a settlement. Let's reach an agreement between parents and grandparents. You will be able to draft a parental rights and responsibility plan where you allow certain weekends or birthdays or whatever for the kids and the grandparents to see one another. But if a settlement fails and or if no one's willing to negotiate, then the court's definitely a remedy available to, to the grandparents. Okay, so they have a right of access, but on the other hand, what about maintenance obligations? So do grandparents also have to maintain grandchildren if need be? So the maintenance obligations firstly vests with the parents. If the parents cannot afford, and when I say parents, I, I literally refer to both parents. If neither of them can afford to maintain the children, then you can um, request a maintenance contribution from the grandparents. Usually what we do is you request the maintenance or you apply to court for the maintenance against all four grandparents uh, if they are all still alive. But you cannot only go after one grandparent. You have to um, combine an application, go after all the grandparents and then apportion the maintenance contribution between the grandparents. And vice versa, I would think that most of our listeners are aware of the fact that parents must maintain their children, the children yes. must maintain their parents if necessary. But what about grandchildren uh, where there are needy grandparents who can't maintain themselves and who maybe don't have children who can uh, look after them? I think the grandchildren will then be in line to maintain the grandparents, but there must be other remedies available and that will be the last resort. For example, all other children of the grandparents must be liable to maintain the parents. If they cannot afford, then you can go and ask the grandchildren to maintain the grandparents, if once again affordable to the grandchildren. Yeah, so I think most maintenance obligations are reciprocal no? in terms of yes. uh, parents and children, grandparents and grandchildren, uh, uh, etc. So uh, whoever is needy and whoever has the means to support uh, must do so. Yes, definitely. All right, and then yeah, my last one for today, what happens if uh, someone passes away whilst uh, divorce proceedings are pending? So uh, the divorce hasn't been finalized, uh, 
parties are, for example, busy with settlement negotiations, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. They failed to reach a final agreement or the court order has not yet been issued. What now? Okay, so the divorce process and the court process will immediately stop when one of the parties passes away. And then also it's important for the listeners to remember that the person passing away will pass away as a married man or married woman. Um, You will not be divorced yet. So you will deal with this estate and, and the death of this person the same way you would have dealt with it if the person's were not if a divorce matter were not pending, for example. So the marital regime and the last will of the deceased, that's what will be taken into account when widening up the estate. And also I just want to mention here, Folke, you are the obviously the expert when it comes to testaments and estates. But with a divorce matter, it's very important for the parties to go and change their wills. And even in the beginning of the process, I always inform my clients that you don't have to wait to be divorced in order to change your will. You can change your will whenever you like and please, but especially when you are starting a divorce process, it's better to already change the will and amend your will in the beginning of the divorce process so that you are aware, so that you are comfortable with the fact that if should something happen, that you know your last will um, is already in place and, and, and everything's in order. Also, after a divorce, there's only a, a few months period when you can change your will. Otherwise, the court will say that you had the intention to leave behind the assets to your ex-spouse, for example. Yeah, I think that uh, period is uh, three months. So yes. if you passed away within three months after you uh, got divorced, then it's assumed that uh, any will should be interpreted on the basis that you disinherited your former spouse. But if you don't change your will within those three months, uh, then uh, the uh, will kicks in again and the former spouse will inherit. And uh, yeah, I've had a couple of cases of that nature over the years where a former spouse actually uh, inherited in terms of a will. Not too long ago, there was a case where uh, there was a will that was uh, drafted and signed by the deceased eight years ago. Prior to the divorce, he got divorced not long after that, and uh, he never changed his will after yeah. he got divorced. And uh, the former spouse obviously then got the great news that uh, she was still entitled to inherit in terms of the will. So I certainly agree with your advice that you should uh, change your will uh, if you are starting with your divorce proceedings. Obviously, on the assumption that you would want to disinherit your spouse, which I guess applies in 99% (laughs) of the cases. Uh, Sometimes you do get uh, spouses who are busy with divorce proceedings who are happy that their former spouses do inherit or maybe inherit the small share or whatever. Uh, But in most cases, uh, uh, they would obviously want to exclude the spouse uh, from the uh, will, and then it's important to to change that will. Yes, I agree with you, Volker. All right. Thank you, Andre. That's uh, our program for today. Uh, Thanks for listening. Make sure that you tune in again next week. Our email address for your questions or comments is info at vvd for vanfeldenduffy.co.za.